The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's your host, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM Radio. I am Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm your host today. And with me is my co-host, Reverend Dan Beckett. Together, we're going to talk about the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. As today's show is an interactive in discussion, if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So did you ever feel like your world was upside down or all topsy-turvy? And perhaps you didn't know which way to go or what to do first? If so, you're not alone. It's a common experience, especially when getting clean and sober to find yourself or your life in a place of some degree of chaos. And this is common when we first get clean, but also happens even after some years of sobriety. And so you could be experiencing some of that right now in your life. If so, join us in this discussion and uh, learn how to come into balance and peace in your life. So we're going to be talking about how do we move from chaos to peace. There's this powerful spiritual principle at play when we talk about that topsy-turvy feeling in life, and it's the primary spiritual tool we can use to move from chaos to serenity. So we're going to share our experience with chaos in our lives, how we use spiritual principles to counteract and balance that chaos, and how you can also balance your life by making the same shift. So we'll talk. We'll start off by sharing our own experiences of chaos and what that was like for us in early recovery. So, Dan, did you ever have that kind of an experience in your early recovery? Uh, absolutely, and I had it yesterday, too, as well, but uh, not as bad. I do remember early in recovery in particular, I felt a really strong sense of feeling lost and unsure, uh, certainly very raw emotionally and feeling unsettled, unorganized. Uh, and which for me, I mean, I'm generally a fairly organized person, so that was uh, particularly noticeable at the time. One thing I remember is that early in sobriety, I had uh, somehow managed to let my license plate registration lapse. I have never done that in my life. That that was an example for me of uh, you know a seeming minor detail in life, but one that that I don't think I would have uh, generally missed. But that. That, that unsettled, chaotic feeling that I had, especially early on, uh, would throw me a curveball every once in a while like that. I remember I had uh, fears about 
money, any any compl- anything that seemed complicated could easily kind of uh, send me spinning. And I, I can look back now and notice that, uh, ironically, I was actually in far more control than I was at the end of my drinking. But it was a, it was a whole new life experience. And I definitely felt um, that ungrounded feeling, feeling kind of lost. You know, that's um, I'm thinking about the anxiety level that I had, <clears throat> you know, when when I was out there. Um, that's part of what the usage was about. The drinking and drugging was to calm the anxiety and the hypervigilance and the hyperactivity. And I had a similar experience in that I could have six or seven things I could juggle and keep track of because I was like on all the time. And when, once I got clean and sober, I couldn't manage two. I couldn't even think about which and which one to do first. Like, you know, oh my gosh. And and then sometimes I can still get in that place. Like uh, when I move, I moved three years ago and, and the household was all upside down. And I couldn't even find the coffee pot. The only thing I could find was what I had put in my suitcase in my car, you know, and it gives me a real unsettled feeling. Um, you know, I was pretty overwhelmed when I first got here and I had to have a checklist my sponsor and others said, why don't you do this, this, and that? And I couldn't remember to do it unless I put it down on paper and started started working my way through that. And so, you know, I, I can still get in that kind of a place of feeling overwhelmed, too much going on, too many choices, not being able to prioritize. And, and it's, um, well, just overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, I can definitely identify. You talked about moving three years ago. I moved one week ago, and uh, I'm definitely right in the middle of that particular kind of unsettled feeling. And that reminds me of of what I've experienced in in other ways. It, it's it's not as if I never uh, feel ungrounded to some extent, even years now into sobriety. It's that um, the impact is just so much less than it was. And I can much more quickly, uh, find my way out of it. You know, I, I sometimes think of things in terms of a volume knob that goes from one to 10. And if my sense of ungroundedness and chaos and unease, uh, when I got sober was, uh, you know, eight, nine or 10, now it's two or three, it still comes up. Uh, and it took me a while to learn and to realize because I, I guess part of me expected everything to be wonderful at some point. I kept waiting for that point um, to realize that uh, I still have kind of the same palette of emotions and experiences. It's just that they don't run my life now like they used to. They're, my life is far more in balance um, than it had been, certainly uh, at the end of my drinking career, but also early in sobriety. You know, you mentioned the panic. Um, I think that that's what I was in. Uh, they, they call it frantic sobriety. <laughs> in, mm. the, in the beginning, when we're running around and trying to make everything work and trying to put all the pieces back together and trying to get our life in order, and we don't even know what order is, <laughs> you know, because it has disrupted this, this life shift from the way we were into something that we don't know what it's going to be yet, but we know it's a total change, is, is such a major shift that it just puts everything upside down. And, and I, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, had trouble discerning even what task to be done first. Um, you know, and, and so that panic can really, um, 
as long as that does not get triggered, I can I have have a chance of of making sense out of it. I remember as a kid that when I felt that way, my solution was to organize something. Uh, it was it was to well part of it was we always had to clean our rooms okay you know if if mom's on the rampage we go clean our rooms because if our rooms are clean then everything's okay and there's not going to be any problems and the same thing about cleaning the kitchen after dinner or whatever you know and so i i recognized that early on i developed this coping skill where i used um, organizing something as a way to distract myself from my panic, whatever the anxiety was about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you describe that, I'm I'm asking myself, uh, when I was a kid, you know, what did I do? And it's it very clear to me now that my primary coping mechanism was withdrawal, you know, just to withdraw from other people and withdraw from the stressful situation. And then, of course, over time, as I got older, um, I now realize that sort of the organizing principle in my life was alcohol. You know, each day just became a matter of, okay, what do I need to get done today to, you know, keep the ship afloat so that I can then drink in the evening? And, uh, you know, that worked. It works till it doesn't, as we say. That worked for a while until, of course, uh, it all fell apart and didn't work at all. And so losing that... Um, organizing principle that was completely unconscious. I mean, I don't, I was aware of what I was doing, but I don't think I know that I wasn't aware of the extent to which that was running my life at the time. And it, of course, is uh, a way to withdraw. That's exactly what I was doing. I had sort of developed my childhood coping skill of withdrawal and, uh, you know, added spirits to it. Um, and use that for many, many years to uh, try and regain a sense of comfort and okayness in what to me felt like a chaotic world that was absolutely moving too fast. So you mentioned um, organizing principle, and um, I think that's a great segue into discussion about about what is it that we use to organize our lives, um, you know, and, and yours at that point centered around, you know, I, I talk about things like that as being my higher power. That told me the alcohol or pills or whatever told me where I was going to be, what I was going to be doing, who I was going to be doing it with, how long I was going to stay and how much money I was going to spend on it. <laughs> right. It, it, that was my higher power. And so, um, you know, I had to do things to get you know, once I got in the program to, to get away from that, but I had to learn a whole new set of principles, which of course we've talked about some on previous shows, uh, in order to reorient my life in a way that was going to work better for me. And so you talked about organizing principles and what do you think the uh, principle that we're talking about today, uh, centers on? I think it's the power of order. The power of order in our lives, which, as you mentioned, we have talked and will often touch on these fundamental abilities that all people have, acknowledging that uh, it's not that we didn't have it before and we do now. It's that we were not particularly skillful in the way that we used them before. And in recovery, we are gaining uh, acuity and gaining skills in, in using these powers. So it's the, the power of order. Uh, has been my experience as the the primary spiritual tool uh, to help me move from chaos to peace in my life. 
You know, that's one of the very first things that I heard coming into the program was first things first. Yes. Slow down and first things first. And I had no clue what they're talking about because it seemed to me that everything was, had to be done and done now. You know, and as it says in the literature someplace, I wanted to be well by Thursday. And so I had a whole <laughs> to-do list to do, you know, where I, where I had to get all of these things done and I had no idea where to start. And um, so this, this principle... Uh, as we know it in unity, is defined as the ability to order, sequence, organize things in our life, ideas, activities, um, and also to balance and adjust, which I didn't understand for a while, and I'll talk more about that later. And so I could see how order helped me because, for example, the 12 steps were numbered. <laughs> it told me which thing I had to work on first. Yes. Um, and so that made perfect sense to me. But the ability to organize my life along um, other other angles, it took a while to to get there. Absolutely, and um, in, in thinking about order, I I recognize and certainly have read that you know every activity in life every day is governed by order in some manner or else. Um, Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore called it the first law of the universe. And that's one thing that has helped me is to uh, be able to take a breath and step back and look at the natural world around me. So not the, not the people created part as much as the natural part in which we live and see how everything is so perfectly in balance. It's amazing. You know, everything from, uh, the cycle of the, what the trees are doing in my yard in the spring versus the fall uh, to the way that we understand from scientists and astronomers that the planets revolve around each other, how gravity works to kind of uh, keep everything in a certain order. Um, I take heart in that. Now, the, the other side of it for me is that uh, order sounds like uh, a four-letter word that I don't like, which is discipline. I've never had a good relationship with the concept of discipline. And I don't, I'm not, I don't know that I'm actually undisciplined. I just have a resistance. You know, it goes back to, I think, uh, a resistance of, of being told what to do, basically, if I'm honest about it. And, and sometimes I even joke if, if someone tells me, if I'm, if I'm in a certain mood on some day and some, and someone says, have a nice day, my thought is stop telling me what to do. You know, I, I still be very rebellious in that manner. And so I'm, I'm, you know, in a process of making peace with that aspect of order as well. But I think the bottom line is recognizing it as, uh, as fundamental to life and, and an ability that I have and that you have and that we all have that we can use um, as we move on our recovery path from a place of chaos to a place of peace and serenity. And, you know, another way that we see this show up is if you look at society, society really is built on order. It's, it's everything from who's in charge to, um, you know, legal structures to uh, law and order, that kind of thing. It is that this is what is expected. First we do this, then we do this, and then we do that. And it, and it unfolds in a way that... Um, we, we humans in a particular society know what to expect and we know what's next. And for me, that was, that was one of my prayers early in the, in the program was now what, you know, because I had one step, 
I knew what I was doing this very moment, but I didn't have a clue as to what was going to come up next or what I needed to do next. And so now what, you know, what's next? Because my old worldview was, oh, I know what's next. Finish this and go have a drink. Right. You know, <laughs> and, but that's not the next step now. So what no. do I do next? Yeah. And, and I, I have that experience and I've had it uh, thinking again about this recent move that I've made here with my family and how disruptive and challenging it is. Um, I can, I've had this experience in the last several days uh, from time to time where I'll be so focused on, okay, I got to unpack this box and I got to plug in this computer and then I got to, you know, get my desk organized and then I got to get organized this and then I got to figure out what we're going to do next and I'll get to the end of the day and then I have no idea what to do anymore. I'm tired of doing my moving to-do list, but I haven't been thinking about anything else. And so I just sort of hit this place of, um, you know, all of a sudden that's gone. Maybe it's 10 o'clock at night. I don't really need to be unpacking another box, but I'm so uh, wound up in it that I'm not sure what to do. And so that that sense of order uh, has in me in this situation has gotten so focused on moving related tasks that I have sort of forgotten to consider the other natural uh, parts of my life that uh, I might need to think about so that I know, as you say, you know, what is next? What is the next right thing to do? For example, one might forget to eat. Absolutely. <laughs> Or forget that that's the box that needs to be unpacked next because there's a whole lot of hungry people in the house. <laughs> or coffee have, in that box. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I get that. So, um, you know, one of the things I found that I had to do early on was form a routine. I had a routine before. Um, it was get out of bed, uh, take some Alka-Seltzer, uh, medicate whatever other symptoms I had from the night before, and uh, perhaps eat something and get to work on time. You know, I had, I had this sequence of events that, um, or tasks that I had to accomplish in order to meet my goal for, you know, that next time frame, whatever it was. And I found that I dug myself a real deep rut in some ways because it became, the routine became a rut. Mm. Um, I, I felt that, I remember having an argument early on I wanted my roommate to get in the shower before me because if she didn't, it was going to mess up my whole timetable for the morning. Mm. And I and I called my sponsor and she said, is the shower empty? I said, yes. She said, get in it. <laughs> I mean, I so was simple. <laughs> yeah, but I was un, I was so rooted in it has to work this way in this sequence in order to function in my life that I couldn't see the simple answer in front of me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that that kind of. um hyper focus almost or, or we can get blinders like like I am have been from time to time with this move so focused on one thing that I forget to let the other pieces fall naturally in place as they will you know as we talk about this I'm uh, recalling how the, the power of order is also uh, can be seen helpfully as a process of unfoldment and again, the looking at the natural world uh, reminds me of that and makes that very clear that, that things unfold in an orderly sequence. Now, it doesn't have to be rigid. You know, I can still, um, I still have a lot of creativity in my life alongside of um, some level of ritual and order and uh, certain ways that that things unfold. I'm reminded now uh, because I have teenage kids that are learning to drive 
and you know, I think about my uh, fatherly advice to these uh, about to be young drivers, uh, which is that a safe driver is a predictable driver, because there is a certain system of order that is established and agreed upon. Certainly, it's in the laws, but e- I think even more so, it's agreed upon like a social contract between all of us who are behind the wheel of a car. I stay on my side of the road, you stay on your side of the road, so that we can all be safe. And one of the primary ways that we're safe is that we understand what other people are doing and what they're likely to do next. I use my turn signal when I'm turning, not because I need to know which way I'm turning, but because I need to let everyone around me, whether I can see them or not, uh, know which way I'm turning. So we develop these habits of predictability that help us all to be safe on the road. And that is most certainly an expression of the power of order. It absolutely is, and and I was thinking about the other side of the power of order, which I am just in recent years coming to understand, and that is to balance and adjust, mm. because to, to me, order meant one, two, three. Sequence meant first, second, third. It, it was a rather unyielding process, this process of enfoldment, look at nature. You plant a seed, you water it, you, you grow. You know, it, that process never changes. And so I didn't understand for a long time that this ability to balance and adjust, oh, I'm planted in sand instead of in dirt. Okay, I can do that. You know, I, and I see this in other people that prior to this time, I would have said, boy, they're so disorganized. They are, they're unable to function. Well, they're unable to function in the way that I function, but they get along just fine in life because they don't have uh, an attachment to doing something in a certain sequence. Uh, For example, I don't like to cook in the, in the kitchen unless the countertops are clean. I, I like to be able to see what I pulled out of the refrigerator, be able to find everything. And, and so I have to clean the kitchen before I can cook. And that's just the way I do it. I know other people that can come in the kitchen and they, they scrape off a little or they open a drawer and set a breadboard on it. And that's the place they use to cook. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How can you do that? Uh, but the ability to balance and adjust, I think, is just as valuable to understand as a piece of the power of order. I, absolutely. I love that uh, because there is most certainly this aspect of order that could best be described with the word you just used, sequence, right? There is this quality of order that says first you do number one and then number two and then number three, etc. But that alone uh, can be rigid, right? And so that, that other aspect of order that I'm hearing you point at is the ability to balance and adjust on the fly as we go. So we're not, um, you know, we haven't written something in stone and then we're inflexible about it. You know, an ordered, a list of ordered steps is only as helpful as it is applicable in any situation. And sometimes we could be, you know, partway through a plan and realize, oh, uh, I've learned something new here and, and I need to adjust how I'm moving forward. I need to be willing to set aside my own, my old plan, my old, um, you know, order in which I'm going to do things and create a new thing in a way, starting an, a new list. And so that ability to both be organized in a sequential manner, but also be ready, willing, and able to set that aside when it becomes clear that there is something that could be working better for us. You know, it occurs to me that a place that this shows up all the time is work. We have something called a procedure, 
step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do this. And in some kinds of work that is absolutely essential that it be done in that particular order. In other areas of work, it is a guideline and once you know the general steps, you can skip around because what's more important is the result, not the process. And so um, I, it, I got confused from time to time about that. How come you how come you not go on one, two, three, four, five here? Well, it's because the result makes more difference uh, than anything else here. And uh, and that's the balance adjust part, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm reminded how critical that is in any kind of creative endeavor especially i remember when i was uh first in college i had a friend who was a composition music composition major and uh, he and i would uh, travel to another town to visit other friends uh, on weekends occasionally and and i like to talk with him and hear his perspective on the way that you approach writing music and it was basically this the first thing that you need to do is learn all of the rules, so to speak, of music composition. You need to learn what has been done up to this point, how things work together and how things function. And then once you know what those rules are, as a creative artist, you are free to break them with intention in particular ways. And in fact, the art at that point can become the way that we are working our relationship to the usual way of doing things. We can make a creative statement by doing things somewhat differently, but only if we know what those things are at first. And you know, Dan, we've been talking about external things mostly here, you know, in the way that we reorganize and adjust to our outside world. But I think there's another aspect to this that is, for me, more significant in the impact that it has in my life, and that is our ability to adjust and organize our thoughts as well as our actions. Yeah. You know, and our feelings, our emotions, and the way we react or act or choose to act with all of that. And so, um, you know, I think that, that that's a topic that uh, is worthy of exploration, uh, perhaps just after we uh, come back from our break here in a minute. Yeah, I agree. And I'm reminded as you say that, that, uh, you know, the, the circumstances, the external circumstances of our life are an outpicturing of our internal circumstances. And so anytime we endeavor to shift something in the world around us, we must always begin within. Right. I remember a real quick story. My, my therapist asked me, she said, do you make your bed? And I said, yes. And she said, okay. That told her everything she needed to know about the sequence of events and the, the, how I ordered my life um, at that point in time. So we'll be right back after a short break. So uh, when we open the lines for callers, we'll continue our conversation. Please stay with us. listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, 
you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to UnityOnlineRadio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's Eric Butterworth with a Unity Mindful Moment. Unfortunately, religions have tended to present themselves as institutions instead of perceptions, something you join instead of a transcendence that you experience. We've tended to believe that God works exclusively through the machinery of an institution. So it is self-evident that most persons believe that you go to church to get close to God. The fact is, if God is present in the church, God is also present in the theater. God is present, period, because God is an online presence, everywhere present. So you don't go to church to get close to God. But you go to church, perhaps, hopefully, to be challenged to dig within yourself and to find that consciousness of the presence that is with you wherever you go. So that wherever you go, wherever you are, God is. To pick up the Eric Butterworth book, Practical Metaphysics, go to unity.org and click on Shop. Did you know Unity has published a new book by Eric Butterworth? This wonderful writer and teacher who is loved by so many people left a recorded class called Practical Metaphysics that has now been turned into a book. It's Vintage Butterworth. He explains how to live from a deeper state of consciousness and awaken to health, love, prosperity, and peace of mind. Practical Metaphysics. Find it online by going to unity.org and click shop. Take time out for you and join other like-minded souls looking to build their connection to spirit with the Unity at Sea Cruise in 2019. Experience a spiritual retreat at sea as you participate in a special program designed to help you on your individual journey of self-discovery. Deepen and explore your spiritual growth with Unity ministers and presenters as you enjoy exotic Caribbean ports of call. For all the details, go to unity.org slash unity at sea now to make a deposit by January 30th and save $100. If you're looking for cutting-edge health information, make sure you join Dr. Evelyn Higgins every Monday at 11 a.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. On the Dr. Evelyn Higgins Show, you will look at your health from all angles, the physical, spiritual, emotional, and intellectual. Dr. Higgins is an internationally recognized expert on health and wellness with over 29 years in clinical practice. Join the show with your questions and comments. The doctor is in. Tune in every Monday on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. So welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, your host here with Reverend Dan Beckett. And we've been talking about how do we move from chaos to peace, because there are different ideas and principles and tools that we can use to do that. We're going to resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to let you know that we're opening the lines for callers. So if you are listening live today and have a question or comment to share, or even would like to ask for clarification or perhaps add a story, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So before the break, 
we were talking about this thing called the power of order, how it shows up in our lives, how we used it before recovery, um, the ways that we're learning to use it in recovery. And we ended on the note that um, in addition to organizing, sequencing and balancing and adjusting the externals of our life, this power gives us um, the ability to adjust and organize our thoughts, you know, as well as our actions and to even have different feelings. And so it isn't all about, did I get the trash can put out? It's about uh, managing our thinking processes. And so um, to, to summarize, the power of order is a power that we can direct, that we actually have input to, that we can change the direction of. And its effectiveness in the changing of our lives is our ability to organize our thoughts, feelings, and actions. So just how can we use this power of order to decrease the chaos in our lives? Dan? Well, uh, as I consider that question, I'm reminded of the power of that truth that you just said, that uh, we, can, we can use this ability to adjust and organize our thoughts first and foremost, you know, from which then our feelings and actions can take place. But as we uh, learn in unity, um, it's everything begins in the realm of mind or thought or idea, and then um, naturally out pictures, if you will, or shows up in the way that our lives are experienced outside of ourselves. And so as I think about the ways that I have been able to use the power of order successfully uh, to create peace from chaos in my recovery, on my recovery path, um, it always begins with what am I shifting internally? And then, of course, uh, we have external tools that we use to assist us along the way, but it's that internal shift that's important. So, for example, um, if I am feeling disconnected, and, and certainly that came up a lot in, in early sobriety, I can create a plan uh, as simple as to pick up the phone and call someone else that I know in recovery each day. And just by talking to other people that have had the same experiences, I can become more connected and be able to find my own way. Um, in you know that I can't point at exactly how that works, but I know that uh, the step that I can take, the 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 decision that is comes from the power of order, if you will, that I can make is I am going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call you know, down my list of numbers until I get someone on the phone. And then I'm just going to talk about what's going on and I'm going to listen to them talk about what's going on. It can be as simple as that. So the, the order shows up as in, I feel disconnected, make a phone call. Yes. Step one, two, yep. right. And I'm sure there's many other examples of that as well. Um, you know, I, I found for myself that I, I mentioned earlier, I had to have a checklist. First, I need to do this in the morning, you know, brush my teeth. And then I need to read my meditation book. And then I need to take my medicine. And then I need to eat breakfast. You know, I could not remember that short little sequence for a very long time. I would always forget something. I'd get I'd get on with my day and go, oh, dang, I forgot to read my meditation book. Or, you know, shoot, I think I forgot my medicine this morning. And, and um, you know, so those those first do this, then do that for me, took a long time to integrate new patterns into my, into my recovering process. Yes, and I can see how, and I have experienced how that, um, that application of the power of order 
uh, where we write down a list of things, whatever's in our head. I, I really saw that uh, clarified well in, uh, and you may know David Allen's book titled Getting Things Done. Uh, one of the principles that jumped out to me and has stuck with me ever since is that if I'm carrying around in my head um, a some kind of loose list of things that need to get done, it's, it's inevitably... Uh, creates anxiety for me because it's loose and ill-defined and it's in my head. And what the book says and what I found to be true is if I am willing simply to get a piece of paper and do a brain dump, you know, every little thing says, oh, right, on Thursday I need to do this and, oh, I got to remember to do that and, oh, yeah, I wanted to get this. Just write it all down. You don't have to do anything with it. Just write it down. Uh, that step alone, that application of the power of order brings with it for me a, a level of peace just as simple as that let alone you know organizing those things making decisions about when and how all that can come later if i'm just willing to write them down get them out of my head and onto a piece of paper i can take that feeling of feeling lost or overwhelmed and um diminish it a great deal just by putting it right in front of me so making a list if i feel lost I will sit down and make a list. So it's kind of interesting. I hear you talking about all of the chatter, monkey mind, got to do this, got to do that, running around in your head and you sit down and make a list. But I think this works the opposite as well. I've got all this stuff running around in my head and I've made a list and my head hasn't shut up yet. Now what? And so for me, another step can be make a list of an entirely different manner. Shift what I'm thinking about away from all of my problems and my situations and and uh, the things that I think I have to do that are so important and all those kind of things. And I was told to make a gratitude list. I was told to, because I had to use um, my abilities to focus on something new, something different, something that was foreign to me, which which took up the bandwidth that was otherwise being used in this useless spinning uh, hamster wheel type of activity in my brain. And so putting a list of that type down was um, helpful. And, and I had to start small. Um, I had to start with just three things. And then the next day, write three more. They couldn't be the same as the previous day. And then the next day, three things. And by the end of the week, I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> you know, I don't have that problem today. But, um, you know, I it, it would take the bandwidth it would shift the direction of the energy and it would um, allow my feelings then to follow my thoughts into a less uh, self-centered and uh, self self-pity or what have you type of thing that was going on oh poor me I got so much work to do and I can't possibly get it all done you know that kind of a thought pattern absolutely uh, and and I know for me if I'm feeling overwhelmed uh, for any reason, uh, inevitably I'll feel down, right? I feel down. I feel listless. I might have some, um, you know, low level depression going on or something like that. And, and I also, uh, have found the practice of writing a gratitude list to be super helpful. Uh, I was told a somewhat of a different approach, um, which can also work and had worked for me. My, my sponsor would say, you know, write down, write a gratitude list you know, hang up the phone with me and immediately write a gratitude list and write 30 things and then call me back. And I thought, 30 things? 
how on earth am I going to think of 30 things? But what that helped me do and with some guidance is to, like you said, keep it simple. They can be simple things. I am grateful I have a bed to sleep in. I am grateful that I have this pair of shoes that I like. I'm grateful that I have some food in the refrigerator. I'm grateful that I have heat or air conditioning so I can be comfortable where I live. You know, if I think about it in terms of that, I don't, you know, and, and keeping it simple and small, not going for, you know, universally sized things like I'm grateful for the prospect of world peace. No, I'm grateful for these shoes. Then I could easily write 30 things, call back. And then of course, what he'd say next, that's great. Now keep writing until you're at a hundred. And <laughs> I found just like you're saying, it completely shifted my, the landscape of my mind because I'm choosing my thoughts, right? That's our, our unity's third principle. I'm choosing my thoughts and I'm using the power of order to guide me in that process of choosing my thoughts. And it's, it's revolutionary. It's completely changed my life. And the, and the power of order is unfolding even, even in that. I mean, writing down 30 things sequentially, but, but you made a phone call and then you followed directions. You know, that's step one, step two. And, and, you know, that's the power of order unfolding even in that, being willing, as you mentioned earlier, to make the phone call as the first, first piece. So, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of other ways that, that this has um, come into play, talking about gratitude. I was told, see, I, I tended to focus on lack, lack and limitation, and primarily around financial issues. Um, you know, when, it, when I would think that I didn't have any money because at the time I was unemployed and really not employable because of a variety of reasons, um, I was told to practice gratitude for what I have at that point in time, which is many of the same things that you already listed off. But I was told to do so every time I caught myself in this negative pattern of thinking. Okay, so what are you grateful for this minute? I, I open the cabinet and there's there's the coffee can and there's only like a, two cups of coffee in the bottom of it, coffee grounds. And I'm going, oh my God, we're out of coffee and I don't have any money to go get any more, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? I had enough for a pot, but I would overlook that part. And so be grateful. I have enough for a pot of coffee. We'll see what happens by tomorrow morning. Yes, and I, I've been helped a great deal by that. And I'm thinking again of of my sponsor. And then, uh, of course, this always reminds me of the power of sponsorship. It, it can be so simple um, for him to say to me, if I'm in a kind of a frenzy, like you're describing, or I, I love this phrase I've heard in the rooms, contemplating the wreckage of my future, right? I'm worrying, I'm ruminating. Um, I can step back and he would say to me, do you have what you need right now in this moment? And And I always do have and I can think, well, in each moment, pretty much in my life, I always have had. So I can take some confidence uh, from that, some sense that, you know, my my discomfort, my dis-ease in my head is because of what I'm choosing to point my thoughts at. But if I can bring my thoughts back to right here, right now, and answer that question, do I have everything I need in this moment? Well, yes, I do. And I can find great relief in that. 
And my sponsor took that a little bit farther. She said, I would say, yes, I have everything I need. And she said, you you have, have you eaten today? Yes, I've eaten today. Okay. Did you have a bed to sleep in last night? Yes, I had a bed to sleep in. Um, have you got gas in your car? I said, yes. She goes, oh, you have a car. And, <laughs> you know, pointed out to me how much I did have that I was just oblivious to because I was so wrapped up in my own thoughts about what the world should look like and what my life should look like, you know, and so I had to use those same kind of things about uh, other areas of my life than just finances and, and physical things. I had to start working on it with, you mentioned loneliness and disconnection earlier, you know, it's a very common thing to, with the people that I talk to about this type of thing. And I had to learn that there were certain things I did unconsciously as coping skills to get my needs met that set me up to be lonely. For example, um, I would look for somebody to get a ride from, but I'm only going to ask the people that I don't want calling me back, you know, for a ride later themselves. Or I'd, I'd use that type of thing in a manipulative sort of way so that I was, I was calling the people that I knew would say yes and I wasn't re really willing to reciprocate at that point in time. And so I had to start practicing integrity in what I asked for and what I was willing to share. And I had to quit scorekeeping because all of those things set my, I didn't realize I was doing it, of course, but that process set me up. Well, if I do this for you, you owe me. And some of the, sometimes I did that purposely, you know, and I had to recognize that thought pattern and then um, change that, you know, because that's not a one-two punch. If I do this, then you owe me. It's if I do this, then I better let it go. You know, I had to learn to pay it forward. It was a different step three. Yeah, I, I think a, the critical difference there, and I can feel it as you share that, is that if I do those kinds of things, if I'm not in integrity, if I am thinking about what's in it for me, so to speak, in, in whatever way, in whatever interaction I'm having, I am actively creating disconnection in my life. I am making the, the person into the other. I'm, I'm putting a strong distinction between me and them. If I do this, then I need them to do that. Or I'm not going to ask that person because then they're going to ask me to do this. And so I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to ask this other person who's not going to ask me. Uh, I'm actively creating disconnection when I do that. And if rather I'm looking to contribute instead of get, you know, to give instead of get, inevitably I will receive everything that I need. But it'll happen in the context of actively creating connection instead of disconnection. Yeah, and I was reminded that um, as you were sharing that the scorekeeping part for me was really big. I could not get unhooked from this thought pattern that um, I, I kept a list in my head unconsciously of who had done what for me when and what I owed them or what they owed me. And it was a, it was a, uh, it was tailor-made for resentment building. <laughs> because people invariably would disappoint me and would let me down. And finally, somebody shared with me, and this is another power of order thing, instead of, instead of the, the, you know, the end result being resentment was instead of keeping score, tell people to pay it forward. And so I had to start catching, catching myself when somebody would say, oh, I owe you one. I'd say, no, I don't, no, you don't pay it forward. 
Don't pay it back. Pay it forward. Give it to somebody yeah. else. Do for them what was done for you. And when I started doing that practice in my own life, my life changed amazingly because then I thought, nope, paid it forward. That they nobody owes me anything. And that, of course, unstopped the the dam on the flow of abundance because it was stopping with me and just in a whirlpool with nope I got to get it back you know here it is get take it back here it is take it back you know I was just kind of going in circles with that and so amazing things have have uh, flowed into my life since I learned just that pay it forward don't because otherwise I fall back into one of those ruts I described earlier that the end of the sequence is I do something for you now you owe me now I have a resentment because you didn't pay me back. It's, I do something for you, you pay it forward, I'm done. <laughs> End of story, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, in my experience, it also takes a tremendous amount of energy to try and maintain that that uh, score list, if you will. And I love what you said there about let let it go, let them go. Pay it forward. No, you don't, you don't owe me anything. Go do something for someone else because by setting them free in that way in my own head, I'm setting myself free because that whole concept of you owe me, I owe you or whatever um, will tend to uh, push me toward creating a sense of self that is dependent on who owes who what. And really, my sense of self, uh, my esteem, if you will, can and should be uh, healthy and high because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of the most high just like everybody else is and we're all equal and we can all be okay. So if I'm willing to let something go, let someone, uh, you know, out of what they, they might be thinking they owe me something, that's really, uh, you know, it's grace in a sense, all right? It's that, it's that do-over, it's that level playing field that allows me to genuinely feel connected and to feel okay in the world. You know, this shows up for me in a lot of places. Um, I think I mentioned in another podcast that that uh, I was a sickly child, and so I had I had this belief system um, that I was always going to be sick, and I was always on the lookout for if this, then that. You know, that's kind of the power of order in action. You know, if this happens, then this is going to happen, and then that's going to happen. And so I could turn a little a little. Um, illness of some kind into a major deal in my head and as we know that our thoughts create some of our realities that um, I, I could be sicker or at least think I was sicker than perhaps I, I really was and so you know what was my solution for years we'll find another doctor I kept looking in the outside world for answers to this internal thought process p problem I didn't know that there was a different way to approach this and it wasn't by the power of order necessarily that, um, I mean, the power of order is in action there, but I had to start practicing a different way of thinking and somebody had to tell me what that was. You know, deny the power of this illness, affirm that that's not your reality and and affirm that you are in fact well taken care of and, and healthy. And so uh, it started changing my thinking patterns about illness and it changed my point of reference. Yeah, I can see that. And I can see the power of order uh, in play there very clearly. Because really what we're talking about, and it's such a simple but yet so powerful use of the power of order that says, uh, if I'm feeling like this or if I'm experiencing that, 
I'm going to do A, B, and C, right? I have a process. I have a plan. I have a, an ordered approach to responding to feeling uh, lonely or, or disconnected or fearful or whatever it might be. Uh, for example, if I'm just feeling generally miserable, I have learned that I'm carrying a lot of things around that I don't own, but I'm telling myself I do own them. So I'm attached to these uh, you know, n- negative experiences or negative concepts. And what I can do there, my simple ABC, my application of the, uh, the power of order is to practice acceptance if I feel miserable. So you know, it's, it's the core of the serenity prayer. Just uh, turning within and and making that discernment, is this something I can do something about? If it is, then what is that and do I choose to do that? Uh, If it's not, then my choice is, my healthy choice is to let it go. So looking at things that I cannot change, I, I can let them go. And I find that by doing that, by following that simple process, um, I can turn a, a really down feeling, you know, a miserable feeling into at, at least neutral. I mean, and I, I consider joy neutral. Uh, joy is a wonderful thing uh, because I'm very much in balance when I'm in joy. So I can turn my misery into joy by practicing acceptance, which helps me to realize what am I carrying around that's really not mine, that I think that I'm owning, but I don't own. And can I not then let it go? So that that use of uh, of the power of order that says, you know, if I find myself in, in situation X, um, I have learned, however I've learned it, if I do one, two, and three, that is the path out, one foot in front of the other. And that's order. You know, and I, I called my sponsor and other trusted individuals in my life for, for that a lot because I would be stuck and I would be miserable. And for me, those two words go together. I was stuck on a thought that I didn't have enough, or I wasn't enough, or there'd never be enough, and um, and how was I going to get out of this, or how was I going to survive this, and it was this was our, my emotional state at that point in time, and so having somebody identify this the little steps, I was too close to the problem, I could not see those, you know, but I learned the general rule was call your sponsor, do what they say. <laughs> You know, uh, today, now it's more like pray and meditate, wait for an answer, you know, bounce it off a few other people for for major decisions. It's still the same process. It's seek guidance. You know, it's seek guidance, become aware and take action. Yeah, there's that discernment in there, that that serenity prayer discernment. You uh, seek guidance and discern what what is yours to let go of or what is mine to keep. Uh, Who should I talk to next? Maybe if I'm feeling stuck, I discern the next right thing um, by turning within or by turning to a trusted advisor. And in that way, you know, a a door opens where before there, there was no door at all. And, you know, it reminds me of kind of a funny story. I was driving down the the, uh, road one day, and a song came on the radio. And I just burst into tears because I, you know, I had all this stuff going on in my life, and a relationship had just ended, and I'd had to move, and I was going through bankruptcy. Sounds like a country song, right? (laughs) So that's what I was living, the experience of whatever came on to the radio. I don't even remember the name of the song now. And it was country music at that point in time. And I was incapacitated and had to pull over to the side of the road until the emotion passed and all of that. And I was, you know, talking about this later with my sponsor. And she said, 
why don't you pick a different station? Because <laughs> I was I was staying rooted in and stuck to um, something that fed the negative thought patterns. Yeah that did not lift me into joy, that did not neutralize the, um, the, the emotions. It generated the emotions. And so, you know, uh, I had, I, and so then I learned that there is this, uh, expression, you know, this out, outside expression of whatever's going on inside my mind. And I needed to pay attention to that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is all reminding me that, um, there have been many times on my recovery path where, um, I, what I needed to do to change my experience is to take an action of some kind. And we've talked about a bunch of those um, here today. And so if someone is wondering, so maybe if you're listening to this, you may be wondering or someone may ask you, uh, you know, what can I do? What action can I take? Well, you could take any of these things that we've talked about. Um, the simplest things like making a gratitude list. If I have found if I don't know what else to do, just do that. It doesn't have to be connected in a meaningful way in my head to anything. I would just make a gratitude list that will change my uh, inner experience and then I will see things I didn't see and then I'll know what to do next. So make make that gratitude list or feeling overwhelmed, get a piece of paper and write down all the stuff that's flying around in your head or pick and or do, you know, do all three, pick up the phone and call somebody, a trusted uh, recovery friend or advisor and just share what's going on with you. These are simple actions we can take in any circumstances that are themselves applications of the power of order. Well, thank you, Dan, for that summary, because I think that that really ties it all up in a neat little package for us today, the discussion that we've had. And I want to say thank you to the listeners and callers as well. Um, and so if you'd like to connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, you can give us thoughts and feedback, perhaps ask questions we might entertain in a, in a future show. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. So have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.